Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Even in the cold, we gather and worship. You have blessed us in this great nation with peace and comfort and safety. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this life that we have in Jesus, for all the ways that you bless us. We thank you. Be with us now and hear our words of praise. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Nate and others. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, 
to two passages, 2 Peter chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3. As always, we begin with prayer, a time for you and I to gain an audience with God the Father. And that was how they thought in those days. How can I gain an audience with the king? You didn't get to do that. So the understanding was when you prayed to God, the king stopped everything and allowed you to address him. And this was a tremendous privilege. No one else got to do this but special people. So by offering himself to you in prayer, God says, you are special to me. I'm going to stop everything because you're important. So remember that. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. Again, Father. For the love that you've given us in Christ, we thank you for this life we have, for loving us like you do, for a love that never changes, we thank you. We thank you also, Father, for creating within us a capacity for worship and a relationship with you. We thank you for gifting us. We are wealthy. In this time and place, we have everything. Thank you. Father, speak to us from your word. We know that there are so many things in this culture that need your touch. We are struggling as a culture, not just politically, but in so many ways. We are experimenting with morality and other things, and and we're losing, Father. Help us to find our way. We pray, as always, for our soldiers and first responders. Protect them and use them wherever they serve. And comfort their families. We pray for our leaders. Some we like, some we don't like, some we agree with, some we disagree with completely. Help us not only to stand together regardless, but to pray for our leaders. Help us to be gracious and kind. Help us to resist the temptation to hate. Help us, Father, to be Christian in all our ways. Father, again, we thank you for all these things that you've given us and for this good life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We talk about the Bible a lot in this church and in most churches. Worship is Bible-centered. A little tidbit here. I don't know if you've ever been to a lot of other churches, different kinds of churches other than Baptist. But historically, Baptist churches and a lot of Protestant churches had their pulpit in the center And that was because we had the strong conviction that preaching of the word is central. Other church traditions will have a pulpit off to the side or a pulpit on one side for the music leader and a pulpit on the other side for the preacher. That was because they understood that music was equal to the preaching of the word. But in our tradition, we have a pulpit in the center because we think that whatever the Bible teaches is central to our faith. So sometimes you may stumble into a realization That historically, what you thought about the Bible was really important. Isn't it interesting? The Bible is by far the best-selling book in human history. Still is a number one bestseller every year. And yet for most people, it's sort of a mysterious book. They know it's the book, whatever that means. And most people have this idea that the Bible is something special. Maybe God gave it or we don't really know. But people think the Bible is something very special. So what we're going to do is talk about the Bible. And this is a part of a series, Old Time Religion. Last week we talked about the love of God. That's one of those foundational beliefs. So today we're going to talk about the book, 
the Bible, scriptures, one of those foundational documents. You know, if you want to know how to do something, you look at the original documents. If you want to know how to work on something, you get the manual out and so on and so forth. Think of the Bible as a manual for life given by the creator of life. So we're going to talk about scripture today. And as I said, hold those scripture passages open. We're going to get to them. One of the things that we have to understand about this faith we practice is that Christian faith is a revealed faith. And what that means is we didn't just get it because we're smart people. Now, there are smart people in the faith, there's no doubt. But smart people did not invent Christianity. Smart people did not invent Judaism. Instead, we have this understanding that God revealed himself. Now, historically, this is the way people have developed their faith. There would be smart people, monks or something like that, and they would say that they had some kind of received word, and then they would preach and teach something, and that would be the authority for that particular faith. So what we want to do is go through the idea of this faith of ours being a revealed faith. As I said, we didn't figure it out. It was given to us. So think about this, and I'll go through history pretty quickly. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the creation story, the first couple, and then the fall. But interestingly enough, in the story of the fall, what we see is God walking in the garden, looking for them. And remember, he recognized that something was wrong. He says, why are you hiding from me? And they said, because we ate of the fruit and we knew we were naked. And we understand at that point that God himself took on a human form, and we don't know what he looked like, but he looked like something that didn't scare the first couple. And they understood and they could talk to God himself. And so he revealed himself. Now, just so you'll know, and Terry, you'll appreciate this, there's an old term called a theophany. You've probably heard it. It's a Sunday school term. But what it means is God, who is spirit, took a human form to walk in the garden so he could appear to them in a way that they would understand because he didn't want to scare them. So he appeared to them in human form and God spoke to man and woman. Fast forward. There was a man named Abram living his life, good guy, and God came to him and he spoke to him, pack up your bags and go to Canaan. I've got something for you to do. So God spoke. There were no scriptures at the time. God spoke. Later, let me have my dates mixed up here. There was Noah. God spoke. He built the ark. And then Abram. And then Moses. Now you remember Moses. Moses did not write the Ten Commandments. Remember this? Moses was in the wilderness hiding the, golden, the burning bush. And what happened in the golden bush? The, the, in the burning bush, God spoke. So God revealed himself to Moses. This is what I want you to do. Go get my people out of Egypt. I've heard them. Moses went, and you remember the ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea. And then for the first time, we see God writing. Remember this, the Ten Commandments that was mentioned in the video? God wrote in stone, gave Moses something in writing. He began a trend. Now later, Moses penned Pentateuch. And I don't know what is going on here. But the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So 
God gave Moses the words to write. Now, later on, other scholars and clerics worked in the Pentateuch to get it in a more acceptable form. But for the most part, we understand that God authored the Pentateuch. So he used Moses to write the Pentateuch. You see, God was revealing himself. Now, later on, there were people we call prophets, and there were the writing prophets. And guess what these writing prophets did? The writing prophets were in communion with God. God revealed himself to them. He gave them the prophetic word, and they wrote down. Now, not all prophets wrote their messages, but the writing prophets in particular, Isaiah and Jeremiah, wrote down books, and they were trained to do this, and God used that, and that became the Old Testament centuries later. So God revealed himself. So as we look at the Old Testament, we're looking at something that God authored himself. He used people to write it down and record it, but God revealed himself. So when you think of the character of God, and you see God's judgment and character, and you see God's love and his rage, and you see God's forgiveness and his mercy and his generosity, you hear what God wanted you to hear. He wanted you to understand He's intolerant of sin, but he's absolutely merciful and patient with us. He loves us forever, but he must have a life of discipline and obedience to him. So God revealed all those things to him. That didn't stop with the Old Testament. In the New Testament, after Jesus, and of course Jesus was the ultimate act of God revealing himself to us, because if you want to know about the personality of God, you look at Jesus. So God revealed himself in Jesus, but then there were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God revealing himself through the written word. Later on, he used a guy named Paul, the apostle. Remember the story. Converted, followed Jesus, worldwide evangelist. He began to write letters to churches that were struggling. Almost everything Paul wrote was in response to a situation in a church. They were letters. We call them epistles. Fancy word for letters, all it was. So God used Paul to write letters to churches. And in those letters, God revealed, you're Christians now. You follow Jesus. This is how I want you to live. He did the same with Barnabas, who I think wrote the book of Hebrews, John and the Revelation, and some others. But God revealed himself through this process. So when we look at Scripture, we see God revealing himself to us. So when you want to know something about God, wouldn't it just make sense to read the revealed word? God revealing himself to us. That's what scriptures are. They are God's revelation to us. This is why we call this a book of revelation. It's a revealed faith. God reveals himself to us. So again, people don't know about God because they're smart. People know about God because God has revealed himself to them. Now let me ask you a question. And you can raise your hands if you like. How many of you like the girls in the video, have read a passage of Scripture and go, wow, I don't have a clue what that meant. Anybody? Sure. And then, over time, you go to church, you pay attention during a sermon or something like that, and you read that passage of Scripture again, and then you go, oh, anybody have that happen? Sure. God revealed himself to you. You see, that's how it works. You follow Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and as you do that, God begins to reveal himself to you. This is why when you read scripture as a child, it means a very simple message. No nuance, it's just very simple, and that's good enough for where you are right then. Decades later, you read that book and that passage, and you gain a greater understanding, not just of that passage, but of how to apply it 
to your own life and to other people's lives. See, God is revealing himself more and more to you. And the goal, of course, is to be a Christian who follows Jesus all his life, who studies scripture and allows God to speak. So, to recap this first 15 minutes, when you read scripture, God speaks to you. God reveals himself to you. Now, he's going to reveal, as we read the scripture, some people will gain something here. Somebody else may gain a different nuance or a more profound meaning. God utilizes us where we are. He speaks to us where we are. Tammy and I have these conversations about God, but about everything. And we, we've been going through this process of looking for a car, which is an agonizing process where people steal your money. And so anyway, we've been going through this. So Tammy and I look at the same vehicles, look at the same specifications, and I, I, I get all twisted up about the certain kind of transmission or a specific feature in the engine. You know, I, I get all concerned about this kind of thing. And for Tammy, she just says, well, will it get me there and back? And that's pretty much it. And she understands all that she needs to understand about a car. She doesn't need to understand anything about fuel injection or six-speed transmission or anything like that. She didn't need to know anything about how electronics work or anything like that. She just understands, I turn the key, I drive the car, it gets me there. I get all twisted about all those other details. You know, I understand things differently. I perceive things differently. God speaks to us like that. When we read scripture, some of you will read a Bible verse and it speaks to a very simple understanding and it doesn't mean anything negative. It's just where you are right then. And God speaks to you and you're satisfied and you go on. Others of you that have been in the faith for decades read a passage of scripture and God speaks to you differently and on a different level. Maybe more profound, maybe based on more understanding, but he speaks to you nonetheless. It doesn't mean that one's smart and one isn't, nothing like that at all. You tailor the message to the student, and God does that. When you read scripture, God speaks. And this is the idea that God's written word is his primary way of providing instruction and leadership. When God wants to teach us, he can do anything he wants, he can speak through circumstances he can speak through teachers and preachers he can speak through experiences but the primary way by which God speaks to us today is through scripture so if you would turn to second Timothy chapter 3 second Timothy chapter 3 and yes I know I skipped that first verse second Timothy chapter 3 I'll read verses 14 through 17 you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what this means is, you need to be taught how to live the Christian life. You and I need guidance. Sometimes we are aware of the fact that we need guidance, and sometimes we're kind of oblivious to it, aren't we? 
Several years ago, I drove through Nashville, Tennessee, and some of you have been to Nashville, and it's just a big, nasty city, you know, with all kinds of interstates coming together, and, and you don't want to go there blind. You want a map or a Garmin or something, because so at that time, we had one of those Garmin things that stuck on the windshield, and a nice little female voice was telling me what to do, and for the most part, I always do what I'm told when I hear a, a nice little female voice from an electronic box, Right? So I knew this, and I got through the city the first day, and it was a nightmare, but I did exactly what I was told, and I was fine. The next day, for some reason, I had this idea that I knew how to get through Nashville. So we were going down the road, and this nice little voice told me to turn right, and I, I looked right, and I looked in the other direction, and I thought, no, I don't want to go that way. She's wrong. And so I went this way instead of turning. It wasn't 30 seconds when I realized, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? It was rush hour, about 8 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's flying by me. I was this doofus guy wondering where in the world I was. And there was this voice, refiguring, refiguring, refiguring. You've heard the voice, haven't you? And you know what I did? I obeyed. It took 30 minutes, but she finally got me back to the exact place where I thought I knew where I was going. I did as she said. I turned where I should have turned the first time, and everything was fine, and I made it down, and I made it back, and here I am today. So the lesson to the story is how you feel may be wrong because I felt like I knew where I was going. I felt like I knew how to navigate the city. I felt like I was smart enough to do this on my own. My feeling was wrong, and I was mistaken with my own intelligence. I thought I was smart enough to navigate this city without help. I wasn't. So the lesson here is be careful because you can deceive yourselves. How you feel may or may not be correct. You may not be as smart as you think you are. So when you approach life and you make decisions in relationships and morality, instead of just trusting your own gut feeling, instead be open to God's word and let him to speak. Let him speak. So this passage in Timothy teaches us that these scriptures were given to us to give us wisdom in the ways of salvation and other things are some other things that we can get. And I titled this The Bible Says because I grew up listening to Billy Graham like most of you. Remember what Billy said? He would hold the Bible up. The Bible says with that accent of his. And I can't do that, of course. But when we want to understand what God means, the Bible says, right? Billy was right on that issue. So we listen to Scripture, and so what we're going to do is look at some things in this passage. So still in 2 Timothy 3, look at verse 15 if you would. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Jesus. So the Scriptures give you wisdom to know Jesus as Savior. That means they teach you more than facts. The scriptures, in harmony with the Holy Spirit, sway you. They convict you of sin. They convict you of your lost condition. And they show you, ultimately, that you need Jesus as Savior. Now, you've noticed this. Some people read scripture. Some people hear sermons about the plan of salvation and all that. And they say no, right? I mean, a lot of us know people like that. And we did it ourselves. We, through our own wisdom think we know better. But the scriptures are really very clear. Here's the message of scripture on salvation. Everybody's a sinner. Now this is radical stuff. Everybody is a sinner separated from God by their sin. Red and yellow, black and white. Yes. Heterosexual, homosexual. Normal, 
abnormal. Cisgender, transgender, whatever that, those words mean. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody. It doesn't matter if they're Islamic or not. It doesn't matter if they're Catholic or Protestant or not. It doesn't matter if they're atheist or not. The radical message of scriptures are this. Everybody needs a salvation that is in Jesus. Everybody. Your good neighbors that are not Christian need Jesus. When you see Islamic leaders on TV, you're looking at people that need Jesus. When you talk to your neighbor, you're talking to someone who needs Jesus. You see, the Bible has a way of cutting through all this stuff, and it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter whether someone likes it or not. It doesn't matter if it's what they've been taught or not. Everybody needs a salvation that is in Jesus. And significantly, the salvation that is in Jesus is available to everybody. God does not mean for us all to become Republicans or Democrats. God does not mean for everybody to become an American citizen. God does, God does not mean for everybody to live their lives exactly the same way. But what he does is, he calls all of us to follow Jesus as Savior. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. So says Scripture. See, we learn that from Scripture. It doesn't matter whether the preacher says so or not. It doesn't matter whether someone's heard it or not. Scripture teaches it, and therefore it's true because it's the inspired Word of God. So that is the message of salvation. So when you read Scripture, it's able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. And again, what other people think doesn't matter. Good people disagree with Scripture. They're just wrong. Well-intentioned people follow other gods. They are separated from God in their sin. Good people live good lives die without Jesus, and they will spend an eternity separated from God. Salvation is in Jesus for everybody. So that's one of the things that Scripture teaches us. Another thing that the Scripture teaches, Scriptures teach us moral and spiritual truth. It's profitable for teaching and for instruction in righteousness. In other words, how should I live? Let the Scriptures teach you. Okay, here's an easy one. Is it acceptable to lie sometimes? Well, we do it, right? Do I look nice today? Oh, you look wonderful. You know, we do this thing. But on a more profound level, people deceive us. In the car that I'm trying to buy, I asked the guy, he was trying to sell me a a certificate, a, an extended warranty. I said, well, where's the paperwork? He goes, well, you got that right in front of you. Well, the paperwork was one sentence. We're going to take care of things. Well, guess what? I didn't trust him. Now, why is that? Because I've been lied to, haven't you? I've been lied to a lot over my life from good people in responsible positions. So we learn not to trust people. Well, guess what? The scriptures teach us we are to be people who can be trusted. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be be no. Live your life in such a way that people trust you. You see, this is what God wants us. And not only does he want us to so we can represent the faith, he understands what we sometimes resist. Things work best when we follow God's way. It works for morality. In this culture, we've decided we've rejected God's morality in so many ways. The biggest issue is we've decided as a culture that marriage really isn't all that important, that people can just shack up and cohabit and live together and have significant others, and they're going to be happy forever after. And after 60 years of this experiment, what do we have? We have literally 
tens of millions of kids that have grown up and are adults now, and they don't understand what family is. And guess what? They're trying to raise a family, and they don't know. And their children and their grandchildren will suffer because we have, as a people, rejected God's word. You don't have to condemn people. You don't have to be insulting towards anyone. You just understand God's ways are his ways, and he is the one who created us, and he knows best how we are to live. God teaches us from his word. One other thing on screen, he prepares us for service, that the man of God may be adequate or perfect, some of your translations, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the goal of being a Christian, listen to this, the goal of being Christian is to be a servant. No, wait. I want to be a Christian because I want to be happy. No. Happiness comes as a result of a life well lived. Happiness doesn't come because you have everything you want, because we know better than that. Most of us have everything we want, and there's, we want more. No matter how many cars you have, you want more. No matter how many clothes you want, you want more, etc. Happiness comes as living a life submitted to God's leadership, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God created you to follow him in faith so he can use you in service to his kingdom. So when you understand the scripture about salvation that we talked about earlier, God wants you to use your influence with your good friends and family to show them the life that is in Jesus. When you begin to understand that God wants you to serve others, he teaches you to be sensitive to the needs of others and then realize, okay, he needs help. I need to help him. I need to get off my duff and do something. God teaches you as Christian to share your income, significant portions of your income. The Old Testament concept is a tie, 10%, with God's kingdom. Why? Because other people need what you have. If you've benefited from ministries of the church, if you've benefited from hearing about Jesus Christ, if you've benefited from being taught by people who know Scripture, if you can see that benefit in your life, God wants you to share what you have with others to support God's kingdom so they, too, can experience those benefits. In other words, Christians need to do what they can to spread the message of Jesus. Sometimes you do that by sharing the gospel. Sometimes you do that by working and doing some dirty work for other people to help them. Sometimes you do it in visitation. Sometimes you do it in any number of ways. But God calls you to service. It's not necessarily a specific task, but more a spirit of self-sacrifice and concern for others. Those are taught. People need to be taught to care for other people. People need to be taught to give of themselves. People need to be taught to be self-sacrificial. People need to be taught to share the gospel with others. You see, God has a way of speaking through his word to shape us to be his people. And that's the wonder of scriptures that never change. The Bible you carry is essentially the same book that it's been for over 1,500 years. Now, there was a time when different translations were common and people were fussing about what the right scriptures were and so on and so forth. But for the most part, from 400 A.D. on, scriptures have stayed the same, and we understand this is God's word. So read it, allow God to speak through it, and allow God to change you. On screen is a passage of scripture. Read this with me, please. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit 
of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you read scripture, God speaks. That's why sometimes when you read scripture, you feel good. God has spoken. Sometimes when you read scripture, you feel guilty. God has spoken. And sometimes when you read scripture, you are encouraged. God has spoken. So when we talk about the love of God as a foundation of our faith, then we talk about scripture. The scripture is the book that never changes. It is the one thing that we can count on that doesn't have to bow towards the powers of our culture. Nate's going to come and lead us today as we sing a closing hymn of invitation. Going to sing a song about Jesus and the life we need to live. Let me encourage you, follow Jesus, allow God to speak. Please stand. closing prayer by one of our deacons. Let me encourage you to follow Jesus. If you can serve in any certain way, let me again remind you about the blood drive, this one easy way for you to serve and, and give something of yourself to others and just be in prayer for our church in this coming year. Mike, would you come and lead us? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us now as we go and keep protect us from harm. And Father, help us this week to do a good deed for someone else. And help us to do it in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.